Welcome to the Rock of Grace Cortland Campus Podcast, where we aim to lead people like you to follow Jesus together. We have a new podcast each week with a message that is prepared with you in mind. So here's this week's message. I see I'm not the only one in the room that's struggling to not dance to that, uh, that awesome beat. Uh, my son's loving to dance right now. He's about to turn two. And anytime he hears music, it doesn't matter what it is. It could be a slow song. He drops it like it's hot. And it's fantastic. I know that's a dated statement. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm not here to talk about dancing. I'm here to talk about fruit. Uh, this morning and this entire month, we're going to be jumping into a brand new series called Fruit of the Spirit. And some of you guys might know them. Some of you guys might not. Don't worry. We're going to be doing that. But we can't talk about fruit without talking about fruit. Am I right? Do you guys like apples? I feel like that's a dumb question. You ever ask a dumb question and you know it's dumb when it leaves your mouth? You're like, why did I just ask that? Like, of course, that's a ridiculous question. I remember growing up and I was told, never ask questions you don't know the answers already to. Now, that's sometimes true, sometimes it's not. But I feel like if I'm asking, have you had an apple In America today, you know, today we're celebrating Independence Day, and I love the fact that we're in a country that gives us the freedoms to come and worship each sundry, each each Sunday. I can speak, I promise. But we talk about apples. So there's a good chance you've had a large variety of apples. There's Granny Smith, Fuji, Honeycrisp, Gala, Red Delicious, Golden Delicious. They dropped Green Delicious. There's not, that doesn't exist. There's Macintosh. There's many, many more apples. You may even have a favorite type of apple or a least favorite, or maybe you're like me and you have the hardest time keeping track that there's more than three kinds of apples and it's not red, yellow, and green. That's all I need to know. I like the green ones in case anybody ever asks. Green and yellow, red, I'm not a fan. So I stop right there just like a traffic light. But you may know how to tell when an apple comes from a healthy tree or an unhealthy tree. See, when you look at a fruit, you might see it. You ever go apple picking? And you can see sometimes when this is not a good apple. If you're paying per pound, you want to make sure you're putting good, solid apples in there. But when you see an apple that has a spot or fungi, maybe it's got a weird texture or it's definitely bruised, even though it's still hanging on the tree, or straight up just rotted away. You stay away from those ones, right? Because you wouldn't eat a tree or eat a fruit that comes from a tree that is sick. Because a sick tree bears sick fruit. It's the kind you're not going to want to eat. It's the kind you're going to spit out. And if you eat it, the chances are you didn't know. You're like, so this side looks good. You open it up and you bite inside. It's like, man, there's something absolutely gross and foul inside of that. So just like we want to protect ourselves from eating a fruit that is not okay, we also need to make sure that we're doing the same for our souls for our spirits. We need to make sure that the fruit that we are consuming, the fruit that we are producing, is that of health. Things that continue to allow us to live in a way that honors Christ, but also bears fruit so others can see and experience him too. So if you have your Bibles open today, I've got a bunch of scripture today. I never have a lack of it, but today we're going to open up to John chapter 15, verse 5. And here's how it reads. I'm reading out of the CSB. It says, I am the vine. You are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit. Because you can do nothing without me. 
So what is this fruit? Here's what it is. Galatians 5, 22 through 23 really uh, expands on this. And it says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. It says the law is not against these things. Is anybody really mad at you if you're exhibiting self-control? I've been practicing self-control this week. I'm trying to uh, slim down a little bit. And you have to choose to not eat certain things, right? Nobody's mad at you when you're practicing self-control. Certainly nobody's mad at you for practicing gentleness or faithfulness, goodness, kindness. Everybody genuinely get mad at you because you're being kind? Sure, I hope not. Sure, I hope not. We need to have a talk with them. But then there's patience, peace. And today we're going to be honing in on love and joy. Throughout this series, we're going to be diving into what this fruit truly means in our lives for what it means to produce good fruit. And here it comes down to for today is that there is love and joy to be found in the fruit we produce. See, not only are we supposed to produce these fruits in our lives, but when we produce them, we find that we bear and produce love. We find that we bear and produce joy. And as a result, we experience these things. See, the Holy Spirit's work in fruit includes the characteristic of love. We see that again, just looking at that first verse of Galatians 5.22, but it says the fruit of the Spirit is love. Love right here is the first one. And this call to bear fruit brings us past a place where we are simply to not do things that are against God, but places us in the employment of the Holy Spirit to produce good fruit. We're not just to simply do these things. But we have to get, as Christians, to the place where we actually produce. It's one thing to create. It's another thing to continually produce. And when we look back at the scripture from John 15, if we go a few verses ahead of that, we see Christ begin to explain the difference between producing a result versus producing fruit. In John 15, 2, it says, Every branch in me that does not produce fruit, he removes. And he prunes every branch that produces fruit so that it will produce more fruit. I don't know what your gardening history is like. Uh, I have none. My wife has much. But I do know one thing about this. You have to prune whatever's growing if you want it to grow in a healthy way. Now, different plants require different types of pruning, But the idea is even for something to grow healthy, you have to know when to cut something off. You have to know when to trim away from here or trim away from there so you can continue to bear good fruit. So that tree and that plant can continue to do it. And we do that in the same in our spiritual lives. We have to make sure that we're saying no to the right things, the things that we're tempted by, the things that are pulling us away from who Jesus is, so that we can say yes, that we can produce the fruit that brings glory and honor to that which is Jesus' name. See, works can come from a place of destitution. I want to say that one again. Work can come from a place of destitution. I hope you don't mind. I'm taking this jacket off because this air conditioning is not blessing me this morning. But works can come from a place of destitution. You ever work and we're grumpy? Yes? You ever just work and say, I hate my job and I shovel coal? I don't think anybody in here shovels coal. Uh, you might have. Uh, it was in Pittsburgh for eight years and there was a lot of uh, coal mining and stuff like that. But see, here's the thing. You can work 
and have a bad attitude. You can work and have a bad work ethic. You can work and do things that don't bring glory and honor to God or yourself or the, your name behind your work. See, we're all called to work, and there is nothing wrong with work. We've talked about that a couple months ago, but our work must also be filled with life. Our work must be filled with life. In other words, enjoy what you do. And if you don't enjoy it, find a way to enjoy it. If you can't find something else, enjoy it. God isn't calling us to be miserable in the day-to-day and what he's asking us to do, because when we do our day-to-day, he's actually asking us to bear witness to him, to do all things unto his name. See, in order for fruit to grow, there must be evidence of life with our work, with the fruit that we produce, with who we are when we're rooted in God. So that way, when we bear love, that love will bear love, and joy will bear joy, and peace bearing peace. And well, you get the picture. You can go through the rest of the fruits that way. See, there is love and joy to be found in the fruit that we produce, church. And the good news is, to start bearing this fruit is much simpler than we sometimes think, than we sometimes give permission for, even to ourselves. You ever hold on to bitterness? That's a whole lot harder than releasing it. But we can harbor it. We can hold on to something and let it destroy us. We can let it wreck us when we hold on to bitterness. But when we go the opposite route and say, God, I'm going to show your love to others, we find that there's an ease in it. We find that there's actually a release in it. See, the Holy Spirit fills believers with the love of God. Romans 5, 5 says, this hope will not disappoint us because God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. God's love has been poured out into our lives, into our hearts. And if we're truly starting out this way, with the Holy Spirit pouring his heart, his love into us, then we can make the decision that moment we follow Christ that we let the love grow more fruit in and through our lives so that our love bears love, rooted in Christ, exemplified in Christ. Because as I said, life bears fruit. So we make sure that we're living a life that honors Christ to bring about the growth of this fruit. And some days that's easy, Some days that's hard. But we have to make sure we're not just working for it, but we're nurturing it. We're letting it ripen inside of our lives to grow within us, to be something that is desirable. Not just for us, but for all who have seen it too and who see it in our lives. So if you go back to that apple picking analogy and we see the fruit hanging on the tree saying, yes, this is good, or no, I'm not picking that one. Just like we see that and we see what makes it desirable, We want to pick the desirable one. But how do we know it's desirable? Well, it's because you know where that fruit came from. Would you pick the fruit off of the tree that looks visibly distorted or charred or growing rot or fungus on it? No. But you see the life that it is attached to. There's something special about the apple you pick at the orchard versus the apple you pick at Giant Eagle, isn't there? 
Because you see the life the fruit is attached to. And you know that is desirable because of all of these things. You see that the tree is healthy. You see that the fruit is healthy. You see the life that it came from. And all these things shape for how it's appeared. And because of that, you, it's created a desire for us to want more of it. And friends, we have to do the same with the fruit that we produce of our spirits that exalts God, that when I live in a way that loves others, that it shows desire, that those who see us, that those who see how we love each other, how we love other Christians, let alone those who don't know Christ, becomes a way to say, I want that. I want that in my life. The fruit you must produce must produce something desirable because you are pointing a person to God with the fruit that you bear. See, there is truly a love and a joy to be found in this fruit that we produce. And this is the fruit that you're producing. You can open your Bibles up to Ephesians chapter 3, verses 16 through 19. We'll have it here on the screen behind us as well. And it says this, I pray that he may grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with power, in your inner being through his spirit, and that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. I pray that you, being rooted and firmly established in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the length and width, height and depth of God's love, and to know Christ's love that surpasses knowledge so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. The fruit that we are producing is grown out of God's love, surpassing all knowledge that fills us with this fullness of God. See, if hatred turns people off, then it's clear that the fruit of love will bring others to know God. Let me ask an easier question. How many have been swayed one way or the other because of how you saw somebody negatively treat another person or another thing. This is a rhetorical question, but just think about it. How many times have you said, no, I'm not going to be like that? No, I'm not going to do it that way. I'm going to do it this way. I'm not saying it motivates you to do something wrong, but it can motivate you to do something good. But if that can happen from hatred, if that can happen from something that we detest, imagine how much more powerful it is when it comes from something that is based in love. See, if we aren't careful, though, this is the hard part. I might step on toes right now. But if we aren't careful, our love can look like that of the Pharisees in the New Testament. The Pharisees were those who, who knew Scripture and they used Scripture to kind of hold everybody else accountable to what Scripture says, whether they believed it or not. Does that sound familiar right now? See, when we're not careful, our love can look like that of the Pharisees, where it may appear like the things we say and do are because of what God says in the Bible, but is actually used to manipulate others into submission, especially when it's on Facebook. We've all seen it. Maybe we're guilty of it. See, here's the continued truth of this fruit. The Holy Spirit enables believers to live with one another in love. Ephesians 4, verses 1 through 6 says this, Therefore, I, the prisoner of the Lord, this is Paul talking, urge you to walk worthy of the calling you have received with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing one another 
in love. Making every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. See, there is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope at your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in all. See, we can't have unity when we are at odds with our brothers and sisters in Christ. And I've seen a lot of that these past few weeks, these past few years, where we go past the things that are of Christ and we try to say, this is how it's supposed to be, or this is how church is supposed to be, or this is how things are supposed to be, you know, like one way or the other. And I'm not even going to list it because I can list it for the next four hours and I'm trying to be out of here in the next 20 minutes, not hours. Let's just clarify. See, we must learn what it means to truly bear with one another in love. To be bearing here means to be patient with. To be patient with. In a couple of weeks when we talk about the fruit of patience, I love that newer translations are kind of rewording it to not say patience, but to say forbearance, which is a much more accurate translation of the original text. That we must be patient with each other. I haven't seen patience on Facebook this week. Maybe you haven't. Or Twitter. I don't know which one's your fancy. Thank God Instagram seems to be pretty clear of that one. But we must learn to be patient with one another. What does this look like in our lives? What does this look like this weekend, this week? So this might mean keeping our mouths shut at the family cookout this weekend. If you guys have a family cookout, some of you guys might know already. As I'm saying that, you're probably thinking of your great Aunt Hilda who's going to be there. I don't know. I just made up a name. If I nail that on the head, that's a prophetic moment. I promise you. However, sometimes we just need to learn to shut our mouths. The Holy Spirit is not asking us to create, create quarrels between each other. We need to love one another, even sometimes when they think something different or believe something different. This might also mean taking down that post or comment online. This might mean we spend more time in prayer and in the Word. Let's be honest, is that really a bad thing? To spend more time praying? To spend more time reading the Word of God? Getting to know who He is? This might mean also walking away. Listen, Jesus walked away too. Sometimes the best thing is if you're saying, Pastor Dave, I'm not going to be able to practice self-control today, then self-control your way out of that situation. Self-control your way out of that room. Self-control your way out of that place where you know you're not going to be able to do it. Don't tempt yourself. If you know you're going to fall flat on your face and create a situation that's going to be more harmful than good, get away. There's many ways to practice self-control. There's many ways to practice love. Because sometimes showing love to somebody is knowing when to not open your mouth. And that's one that sometimes I even struggle with too. I think many of us do. Because we all have opinions about things, right? And I'm sure in this room, there's many varying opinions on broad spectrums of any sort of topic. But we see in Galatians 5, verses 14 through 16, that it says, for the whole law is fulfilled in one statement. Love your neighbors as yourself. 
But if you bite and devour one another, watch out, or you will be consumed by one another. We don't often get to verse 15. <laughs> That's that one. We often get to that first one, you know, love your neighbor as yourself. But then we read and it says, but if you bite and devour one another, watch out, or you will be consumed by one another. If I say then, walk by the Spirit, and you will certainly not carry out the desire of the flesh. It's kind of like if you say, if you want to fight, you'll find one, right? It's not hard to find a fight with somebody. We all know that thing that we could post or say right now that would start an argument with somebody. Maybe it's that person that you've been thinking of all weekend or all week, knowing you're going to see them tomorrow or maybe today at a cookout. Like, you know what? If they say this, I'm going to say this. If they say that, I'm going to say this. But that's not what Scripture is saying to do here. Say, if we bite and devour one another, watch out, or we will be consumed by one another. I don't want to be consumed by each other. I don't want to be consumed by quarreling with each other. I'd rather be consumed by loving one, each, one another and by showing each other what it means to live a gospel-centered life that produces love. To love one another. To love your neighbor as yourself. Maybe you're saying, well, I don't really love myself, so does that mean I get to treat my neighbor like garbage? No. You know the sentiment. of You know this is what it is saying. We need to treat each other the way Jesus sees them. See, love is an essential in the exercise of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Love is essential with this. I want to ask you to open your Bibles, your Bible apps to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 1 through 13. Some of you guys might know this one. Some of you guys might have had a portion of this at your wedding because this is a common wedding one. But there's a lot more to this than the vow that you say on a wedding day. And it says this, If I speak human or angelic tongues, but do not have love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. I'm just going to pause right there. Do we want to be noisy gongs? Do we want to be clanging cymbals? See, what good is it in moving the gifts of the Holy Spirit if I can't even love one another. Well, we see how good it is. All it is is a noisy gong, a clanging cymbal. See, if I have the gift of prophecy and understand all the mysteries and the knowledge and all the faith so I can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. And if I give away all my possessions and if I give over my body in order to boast but do not have love, I gain nothing. See, love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy. It is not boastful. It is not arrogant. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not irritable and does not keep a record of wrongs. And see, it's not just about the wedding day. It's not just a promise you're making to your spouse, but this is truly the love of Christ, the fruit of the Spirit that we are called to bear. Picking up, it says, love finds no joy in unrighteousness, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. But as for prophecies, they will come to an end. As for tongues, they will cease. 
As for knowledge, it will come to an end. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, the partial will come to an end. See, when I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. And when I became a man, I set aside childish things. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. But then face to face, now I know in part, but then I will fully know as I am fully known. Now these three remain. Faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. See, church, as we get some soft music playing in the background, we have to get producing this fruit right. We have to get producing love right. Because if life is born in us, and love bears love, and our love is built off of that love of Christ, if we don't fully walk in that love of Christ, if we don't fully walk in the understanding of that love, how are we going to produce that same thing? Because when we say yes to Jesus, we're saying yes to exercising these fruits in our lives. And it starts with love. The greatest of these is love. So we apply this to everything we just talked about. Living with one another in peace, that means we must be patient, kind, lacking envy, boastfulness, or arrogance. Not being self-seeking, or irritable. Love doesn't find joy in unrighteousness, but it rejoices in the truth. See, Christ then brings us joy, which is that second fruit. Isaiah 9, 2 through 3 says, The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. A light has dawned on those living in the land of the darkness. You have enlarged the nation and increased its joy. The people have rejoiced before you as they rejoice at harvest time and as they rejoice when dividing spoils. He does this because of what we see in John 14, 6, where he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. When we see that love rejoices in the truth, we find joy in Christ because Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. Luke 1, 41 through 45, talks about how when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped inside of her, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Then she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and your children, and your child will be blessed. How could this happen to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For you see, when the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby leaped for joy inside of me. 
Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill what he has spoken to her. And friends, I'm here to tell you that if a joy can be brought to a child in the womb, then a joy can be brought to you who is birthed and born and living in this world each and every day. You are not exempt from joy. You are not exempt from love of Christ. I don't care what situations you've walked through. I don't care what you've had this morning or this past week been said to you or what you've experienced because you are not exempt from experiencing the love and the joy of Christ. See, there is love and joy to be found in the fruit we produce. This love that we produce is God's love. And just as an apple is grown from an apple, And shows us what came before it. The fruit of love that we produce shows us the love of God. The fruit of joy shows us the joy that he gives. And these things are alive and active in all who call upon the name of the Lord. See, the fruit we produce is evidence of the life we are living. The God we are serving. And the daily commitment we are choosing. I want to say that one more time. The fruit we produce is evidence of the life we are living. The God we are serving. And the daily commitment we are choosing. What fruit are you producing? What is your life producing? Is it healthy or is it bruised? Is it wholesome or is it lacking? Is it sweet or is it bitter? Is it love or is it hate? Is it joy or is it sorrow? It's evidence of the life we live. That when we can turn to it, we can turn to the God that we serve. So in those days, we're saying, God, my, my fruit's falling apart. The orchard that you're trying to plant inside of me is lacking. Say, God, move inside of me. Give God permission to speak to you. In your time with the word, in scripture, transform me so that I may have a heart like you, God. And it's part of that daily commitment that we choose. Just like a caretaker of a farm must daily make the choices to see this fruit be produced, we have to do the same as Christians. We have to do the same to wake up and say, God, I want to nurture the gifts you have given me. I'm going to nurture the fruit that you're bearing inside of me. I'm going to spend time in your word. I'm going to spend time in prayer. Last week we talked about the significance of making sure we know what Scripture says, that we can hide it inside of our hearts. So that when these things are a part of us, they're a part of our souls, they're a part of our minds, they're a part of who we are as a follower of Christ, it begins to transform the fruit that we bear. So that it is fruit that is not only desirable to others, but leads others to following Jesus, to knowing Him, to knowing His peace, to knowing His joy, to knowing his grace, to bring us from a place of brokenness to a place of wholeness, to a place of bitterness to a place of love, a place of sorrow into a place of joy. So I want to pray 
two very specific prayers today. It's a prayer of blessing. And the first is a prayer that we may produce love. And the second is a prayer that we may produce joy. So I'm going to invite everybody in this room just to stand where you are. And as I'm praying this prayer over you guys, feel free to pray on your own. Feel free to put your hands out. Feel free to seek God out. There's nothing special in my words other than me saying, God, I'm petitioning on behalf of each person in this room, saying, fill us with your love. Fill us with your joy. That doesn't prohibit anybody else in this room from continuing to pray about anything specific that God may be laying on your heart or praying for a neighbor or praying for a friend. Let's just bow our heads together. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your word. We thank you for the reminder of what it means to bear your fruit, the fruit of the Spirit that you have called to grow within us. And first I pray a prayer of blessing over the production of the fruit of love in this room. That we walk out of this room challenged and inspired by your word to seek you out daily. That God, if there's any bitterness or hatred in this room, in our hearts, that we can release it to you this morning. Saying, God, I don't want to be bitter. I don't want to hold on to hate but I want to produce this fruit of love that you're speaking of. God, bless each person that is here today in person and joining online that as we seek to produce this fruit of love, that it grows each day. It grows in resemblance of who you are. It grows in resemblance of your love and your power and your grace so that when we produce this fruit, others see it. And want to come to know you so that they can know that true love that you provide. And I pray the same prayer of blessing over joy. The fruit of joy in the lives of each one of us in this room today. For those that are struggling to find joy. Before we can produce it, we need to experience it. So Heavenly Father, I just ask that if there's one in this room that is struggling to find joy, joy in you, joy in peace, joy in the things that you have blessed us with, that even now you begin to fill this room, you begin to fill hearts with joy. As we bear love, God, let us bear joy to others, that we could be joyful, that others can see the joy, that may be questioned, that may be wondering, how do you have this in the midst of our circumstances? God, continue to allow us to display your joy, that we can rejoice in your truth, as the scripture says, that we can lean on you and nothing else, that we walk out of this place today bearing these fruits, producing these fruits, but not just once, but that we plant an orchard of love, we plant an orchard of joy, that these fruits of the Spirit don't end with each of us in this room, but they continue to grow and be nurtured and be planted in the lives of others so that your name be exalted because your kingdom come on here in Cortland, Ohio, as it is in heaven. And for all the surrounding community, 
for those of us that are traveling by, for those of us who are visiting today, that it doesn't stay here, but it continues to go with us. Because you are not a God of a room, you are not a God of one location, but you are God of all, in all places, for all people at all times. Jesus, let us bear these fruits stronger, greater, and healthier than we ever have before. We give you our all. We love you, and we praise your name. And all of God's people said, amen. Thanks for joining us. If this message impacted you or you would like to get in contact with us, you can visit us at www.rockofgrace.org. Also, be sure to share this message with a friend or subscribe so you never miss a message. God bless.